Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Teets and this is Sorta Awesome. the show where every week we go exploring in the pursuit of awesome. You can count on us to keep you informed of all the best shiny things out there when we share our awesome of the week. In each episode, we also take your questions and bring you the answers you need to help you uncover all the awesome within your own life. Today, co-host Rebecca of SimplyRebecca.com is here And we're going to do a deep dive into one of Rebecca's favorite topics of conversation, reality TV. We'll retrace our own roots with reality shows and talk about current favorites, including what the Sorta Awesome community is watching these days. Finally, we'll try to answer the question of just when are people watching TV? All of that is coming up on episode 29 of Sorta Awesome. Let's start the show the way we always do with Awesome of the Week. And Rebecca, I understand you have a delicious awesome to share with us today. I do. My Awesome of the Week is a little piece of heaven combined with the wonderfulness of fall mixed all together in this beautiful little cup that they will present to you at Dairy Queen. It is the pumpkin pie blizzard. Wait, I just I have to stop right now and just tell everybody that Rebecca had some really elaborate hand motions (laughs) that she had created. Coming to you from Angels at Dairy Queen. The Angels at Dairy Queen. Okay, I'm sorry, I got distracted by the visual going on here. Let's let's talk. What are we talking about here? Okay, it is the pumpkin pie blizzard, which is made with their vanilla ice cream. And then, I don't know, they put some pumpkin pie flavoring in that to, like, swirl that around. And then it has pie crust chunks in it, which I don't actually like pie crust, but this is better. They're, like, sugary, more like little cookies. And then it's topped with whipped cream, and then they sprinkle nutmeg on top, and then you eat it. And then you think, this is the best thing I've ever eaten and it's fall and I'm happy and I'm just so excited to be eating this little piece of heaven. That's exactly what will happen when you go buy one. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so thrilled that you are giving some love to the pumpkin pie blizzard. I thought maybe we were going down the path of pumpkin spice lattes, but no, no, this is a totally different thing with the pumpkin pie blizzard. It is better than the pumpkin spice latte. Wow. I don't know that I've ever had one of these. You know, I don't know. Are there a lot of Dairy Queens in your part of the country? There, there are in my area. Okay. There's one in my town. So that's good enough for me. (laughs) They're getting kind of hard to come by where I live in Oklahoma. Now we have, I know of at least one in Oklahoma city at a mall, but they are getting harder and harder to come by. I feel like so Trekking out to find the pumpkin pie blizzard could be, that could be a new like fall tradition that people could yes. take out. Or maybe already have. Maybe that's a thing and I don't even know about it. Well, it is in my family. No joke. 
I signed up for the emails from Dairy Queen because when you <laughs> <laughs> don't laugh at that's me. That's commitment. <laughs> when you stop it, Megan. But when you join their email list, they will send you. I think it's like six times a year. They'll send you buy one get one free coupons. Ah. So, I mean, duh, right? So. As soon as they always send an email out for like their blizzard of the month. And I'm not kidding, my mother forwarded me her email that she also got from them announcing that pumpkin pie blizzards were back. And she wrote something like, It's back in the email. <laughs> my mother loves them. My sister loves them. I love them. The only thing I don't love is that I haven't had one yet this year. I don't oh What goodness. am I waiting for? I don't know. I don't know. Do you, you have your coupon in hand though, right? Yes. I and mean, so. Yeah. I would. So here you go. The frugal thing here to do is to sign up for the coupon for the mailing list, so you get the coupons, and then you buy like the really big ones because they're not that much more. And then you can like put it in your freezer, and you can eat it like for two Ooh. nights or three nights. Yeah, you get just get the really big one. Buy one, get one free. Can I tell you how much I appreciate that you have a pumpkin pie blizzard strategy going on at this point? <laughs> So when I was thinking about this awesome, I was like, ah, I'm not sure I have that much to say about it. Apparently I'm wrong. I have a lot to say about how wonderful you this is. Do. So, that's, so that's definitely one of my fall traditions. Yay, fall is here. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. It's It makes me very, very happy. I love it. I love it. So this is one of your fall traditions. Do you have any others that you look forward to every fall? I mean, are you a pumpkin spice latte girl? Do you like, do you enjoy a, a Starbucks latte? So I ordered one this year already, but it's not necessarily my favorite. I don't know. Pumpkin spice is like in everything. I mean, there's pumpkin I mean, spice Oreos, for goodness sakes. I feel I've never like, had I feel like we're sort of jumping the shark on the pumpkin spice additive everywhere. I don't right know now. what that means. Jumping the shark? What are you? <laughs> okay. What's what this? does that mean? <laughs> okay. Did you make that up? It's a well-known cultural commentary especially when it refers to a tv show you really don't know the story of jump the shark i okay no joke my first thought was sharknado (laughs) okay i'm gonna teach you about jumping the shark um this is a phrase that applies to when usually a tv show but i guess it could be anything for example pumpkin spice when something has just gone to the extreme to where it's like no longer believable or enjoyable. And it goes back to an old, old episode from Happy Days, way back in the 70s. Apparently, there was an episode where the whole Happy Days gang traveled out to Los Angeles and Fonzie, the Fonz, uh, I guess to prove how brave he was, gets up on some water skis I mean, swim trunks on and his classic trademark Fonz leather jacket and does some stunt where he literally water skis over a shark. So from that episode forward, jumping the shark has referred to this idea of that the moment you can kind of pinpoint when a show really starts to go downhill. Well, now I don't feel so dumb knowing that it was a Happy Days reference. That's all it was, but now you know. We went on a big rabbit trail there because I think we were going to talk about fall traditions. and. Okay, yes. So last year I started a new tradition in our house. So, because it still counts as a tradition if we've only done it once. I, I, yes. I, mm-hmm. 
I kind of think that goes against what the word tradition actually means. But um, <laughs> I took my kids to a pumpkin patch for us to pick our own pumpkins. And then we went to buy some donuts and some apple cider. And we came home and we had that for lunch, Aww. which I felt like I was just like such this cool mom that yes. was allowing my kids to have like donuts for lunch. Ah. Um, they also had a cheese stick for protein, of course. Of course. <laughs> and then that evening, then we carved the pumpkins. And they actually were very grumpy that day. And it inspired this whole blog post of mine where I'm like, why are my children so grumpy no matter what I do? But a year separated from it, I am feeling hopeful that we can do this tradition again. Everybody's a year older, a little bit more patient, that it will be a success this time around. What about you? Do you do anything special? We do not necessarily have a lot of fall-themed traditions so far, although I do have to tell a funny story on Daisy. A couple of weeks ago, we I had to take her to the dentist just for regular cleaning and checkup and all of that, and then I, um, I had to pop into Target afterwards f- to pick up a few things before we headed home, and it was a super Target that had a Starbucks, so it was just just Daisy and I, she's our oldest, she's 10. She and I hardly ever do anything together, just the two of us. But we just happened to be out this afternoon um, doing these things. And so she, we walked by this Starbucks, which by the way, she is our coffee drinker. She's 10, but she does have a small cup of coffee with lots of cream and sugar every morning before school. <laughs> oh my goodness. So she comes by, honestly, I mean, Kyle and I are major, major coffee people. So she saw that pumpkin spice lattes were out. It was like when they had very first come out and she was like, do you think I could have a pumpkin spice latte? And I was like, sure. So I got her a a tall one, a small at Starbucks. And oh my gosh, we went through the whole store. Just, you know, I was just throwing things in the cart and she just kept going, mom, I just, I can't believe how good this is. How does Starbucks make their pumpkin spice latte so good? She just kept going on and on (laughs) about it. Well, then last week I was in there while they were cleaning out their room and each of my girls has a drawer in a little bookshelf that they have. And from the time they were little, we've called it their secret hiding drawer. It's not really a secret, but when they were little, that was the one drawer that they could put anything in and nobody else in the house would touch it. They put, they've put all kinds of treasures in there through the years, journals and pencils and souvenirs and all types of stuff. Well, they were, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been really good since they share a room. I thought they each need to have at least one little corner of space where nobody's going to mess up their stuff. So they were going through and cleaning out their bookshelves and I asked them to kind of clean out what was in their secret hiding drawers and Daisy opened her up and there was the little Starbucks cup <laughs> for her very first pumpkin spice latte. Oh, get so out the baby cute. book. Write it in I the baby mean, book. First pumpkin spice latte. It was so <laughs> cute and so fun. So anyway, maybe maybe first pumpkin spice latte of the year will be a tradition for Dicey and I. We have, you know, some of the usual holiday traditions. Our, our neighborhood, we always get together as a neighborhood. Those of us who have kids, uh, there's lots of fam- families with kids. We get together and meet at somebody's house before trick-or-treating and have snacks and um, hang out and talk and everybody gets to play in their costumes. And then we all sort of load up together with our bags and make the rounds through the neighborhood. So that's a fun one. I don't really like Halloween. It's not really one of my favorites, um, but it is fun to get together with other families and kind of make it um, have almost a community feel to it. So that's what I'm do looking you, forward to. 
do you do store-bought costumes or are you a homemade costume kind of family? We are store-bought. My mother, bless her heart, slaved away over a sewing machine to hand make all of our costumes. And they were sometimes really elaborate. I have not made, my my oldest is 10, I've not made a single costume. I am store-bought all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm the opposite where I haven't bought any costumes, but I also am not slaving away by any means. I try to do it like super, super simple. Um, Like last year, Noah was a birthday present. And so I just got like a box and I just cut a hole for his head and two holes for his arms. And then I just wrapped the box and then I put like a ribbon on his, on his head and it was adorable. (laughs) That is so fun. I love it. I love it. Um, we usually, and in fact, I guess this is sadly one of our traditions. It's either sad or happy, I guess, depending on how you look at it. The girls start planning their costumes months in advance. And I learned many years ago to not actually buy a costume until we're like two weeks out because they keep changing their mind. And so I'm like, once I hit the order button, that's it. Nobody changes their mind. So it's always fun to see kind of what they go through. Eliza found one. We do a lot of Amazon shopping when it comes to Halloween costumes. They have a fantastic variety. Eliza found one. I think she's going to do a rainbow monster. Okay. And this year, Daisy up and decided she wants to be Annie Oakley. Like Annie, get your gun. Oh yeah. I was in that musical. Yes. Every time we talk about it, I'm like, anything you can do, I can do better. She's going to be so sick of that song by the time (laughs) Halloween rolls around. And the twins are super into Monsters, Inc. So I think they're going to be Sully and Mike for Halloween this year. Oh, what fun. Okay. Well, I know you all have lots of fall traditions, too. Maybe yours involves a pumpkin pie blizzard from Dairy Queen. Who knows? But we would love to hear what fall traditions are making your fall awesome already. My awesome of the week is very, well, it's kind of meta, I guess, because I want to talk about you all. And I want to talk about our Facebook community specifically. I talk about this on almost every show that you can find us on Facebook in the sort of awesome hangout group. But I have to tell you, Rebecca, I've just noticed there's so much good, positive energy and so much good momentum building in there that every single day when I open up that group and read it, I am just blown away by how incredible this community is. It is amazing. It, it is not at all what I thought it was going to be when we started it. You know, it, it's incredible. Honestly, I didn't know what to expect. I wanted to create a place on Facebook where we could hang out and talk about, well, originally I thought we would just talk about topics related to the show because the way our show is, we have lots of different topics that come up every episode. And so I thought this is easier to have one place, one sort of congregating place for us to talk about these things, the way Facebook's algorithms work. I knew it wasn't going to be as convenient if I tried to host it all on the sort of crunchy Facebook page. So I created this little closed group. I'm a member of a lot of Facebook groups and I've seen them done really well. And I thought, well, let's just have a place where we can hang out and talk about topics that relate to the show. I created a closed group because when you are part of a closed group on Facebook, that means that only members of that group can read what you've written in there, read your responses, your things that you share in that group does not show up in your general Facebook feed. Only people who are also in that group can see your activity in there. 
So I wanted to create something that was, a, you know, kind of a safe, quiet corner of Facebook where we could gab about all kinds of things that are awesome and sometimes not awesome and just all of that stuff. Well, I am telling you that the conversations in there have taken off so incredibly, and I am finding that it really has become a great place where people can just kind of brainstorm or ask for suggestions about things. We have people, well, first of all, we talk about foods and recipes and meal planning a lot, but we have people asking questions on everything from parenting to um, makeup or skincare recommendations. We even had somebody ask, hey, what kind of underwear do you like? (laughs) Now, we've kept it all women because the vast majority of our audience are women. So again, it's just kind of one of those places where like, if you were hanging out with girlfriends, eventually you might be like, do you guys have a pair of underwear that you just really love? Like what brand are you buying? What, what's your favorite this or that? We have people sharing sometimes more serious things. Like I'm having a really hard time navigating this thing with my in-laws, or I'm really worried about my kid. Um, they are having this problem. So even though the sort of awesome show is a little bit more, um, I don't know, we try to focus on more positive things. Not all of life is rainbows and unicorns. So we have people who are sharing some of the hard stuff that they're going through. And time after time after time in that group, people are just so community-minded and just jump in with helpful advice and support. Another thing, like one of the main things we do each week is we share um, an Awesome of the Week thread where everybody in there has a chance to share their own Awesome of the Week. That is always so fun to read through every single week, what amazing things are going on in people's lives. So I don't know, I'm calling it my awesome of the week, but really every single week it is awesome for me. So that's what it has been phenomenal. And I have to say that everybody in there has been so kind to you and all of the co-hosts. They just say the sweetest things and it has been such a blessing to me to be part of it. So I love it. fun. So fun. So if you have not found us in there already, again, if you go to facebook.com slash group slash sort of awesome hangout, um, you can join us there. And I hope that you do. We are having so much fun. The group is nearing 1000 members and you just, you know, you never know when you get a big mix of people in there, what kind of tone and direction a group is going to take. But so far it has been incredible. So All right, moving into the question and answer segment of the show, I have a question for Rebecca this week. I know you mentioned that Big Brother, one of your favorite shows, just wrapped up its most recent season. You and I have talked a little bit about your um, fangirling over Big Brother. And I have to say, my question, I guess, is I don't get it. So explain to me, make the case (laughs) for Big Brother. I adore Big Brother. I recognize that it is probably not a show for absolutely everyone, but when it comes to competitive reality TV, it is such a fascinating social experiment. The basic premise of Big Brother is that it's it's a cross between real world and survivor. So you have everybody living together in a house. But unlike real world, they can't leave the house. There's no outside influences. It's just them in there. There's cameras 24-7, every single room. They are mic'd all the time. And then, like Survivor, they're asked to vote somebody out. So every single week, they are evicting another house guest. And that 
principle is so simple and so basic, but what happens is that you have friendships forming and alliances forming and there's scheming and manipulation and also really deep friendship and sometimes romance in the form of showmances is what they call them. <laughs> and so that the the line and the manipulation and sometimes the screaming and the yelling at each other, that I can see could be a potential turnoff to some people. But at the core, it really is a matter of how well can you get into the brains of those around you and how well can you play the game, both competitively with the competitions that they have, as well as socially. Um, A lot of people who provide commentary about Big Brother, they talk about the social game. Are you friends with people? Do people like you? Um, A past winner his name was Derek. He really kind of even transformed himself. You would look at a picture of him from the beginning of the season. And he was just kind of like an average Joe type of looking guy. But towards the end of the season, he had facial hair and he was wearing these beanies. And he really kind of turned into more of a hipster look to kind of to truly match the vibe of the other house guests that he was hanging out with to convince them that, hey, he's one of them to kind of just get in on their good side. It's It just is so fascinating to me. Now, you said that they each week have to vote somebody out. Do they also have... I've never watched Big Brother. I I mean, I watched maybe one or two episodes when it very first came on, and it totally stressed me out. But do they have, like, little challenges that they have to do? Like, what are they doing? They're just in a house they can't leave. What are they doing with their time in this house? Do they have... Do the producers make them do little challenges or... What's going on? Yes, yeah, so there are there are challenges that happen. So the very first one that would happen every week is called the head of household competition. And the person who wins that competition is then the one who will nominate two people to go up for eviction. And then the rest of the house will vote on just those two people. So you're not voting for them from the entire group that's in the house. You're just voting for the two people that are up for eviction. So the head of household competition is huge because who wins that helps determine the flow of who's come, who's staying and who's going and alliances get into power and you want your alliance member to be in the head of household position so that you're safe that week. And then after that, there's the veto competition. So the head of household, the two people who are nominated for eviction and then, um, three other people, three other house guests who are chosen randomly, they all compete for the opportunity to veto one of the nominations. And then if that person, if one of the persons is taken off the block, as they say in Big Brother terms, then a replacement nominee has to go in. And that can completely just transform the game. Now, recently, there's been other competitions called Battle of the Block, which I am not a fan of, and I will not bore non-listeners but or <laughs> non-viewers of the show, but if you are a viewer of the show, you know my, you probably understand my aggravation with Battle of the Block. So there are these competitions that are going on, but Megan, this show has such a following. There are live feeds that you can subscribe to, that you can log into your computer at any time and watch different rooms in the house to see what people are doing. This is taking voyeurism to a new level, right? But I mean, it's pretty intense. But I mean, obviously, those contestants have volunteered to have their lives examined this way. But oh my gosh, I just I feel there's so many personal dynamics at play there. Just the very thought of it is it. I, 
I'm about to make, break out in hives with <laughs> stress and anxiety over this. So, Well, and the thing that I think is so amazing is that when you're in that, that environment, that very limited um, environment, no contact from the outside world, high pressure situation, what I feel like happens is that people become more and more of their true selves. Mm. So if you naturally are an emotional person who has a hard time holding it together under stress, then you are going to be the person having an emotional breakdown at the drop of a hat every single week. If you're the type of person who can really get along with just about anybody, then you truly will become the life of the party in that circumstance. And then you see that same thing happening with showmances, the romance that happens in the house, because they are literally... Living together 24-7 literally cannot get away from each other. So intense bonds form. There have been um, one couple has gotten engaged and married since being on the show. Hmm. Or maybe it's up to two now. Two couples have been engaged and married. One is expecting a baby. I mean, it's incredible. Now, I want to just take a moment here. And I just want to address the true fans of the show and just kind of give, because the show did wrap up. So I just want to say to anybody who's wondering, Vanessa totally should have won. She deserved (laughs) to win the show, hands down. I am happy, honestly, that she didn't. She clearly did not need the money. I thought that was a bit tasteless to say on the finale how much money she had earned already in her poker earnings. So I was very happy for Steve that he won. He completely killed it in the speeches compared to Liz. I mean, Liz just really shot herself in the foot there. And for anybody who wants to hear some more commentary on the show, I recommend Rob Has a Podcast. It is done by Rob Sisternino. He was a previous Survivor contestant, and he does amazing commentary um, with some live feed correspondents who are constantly on top of the live feeds, as well as previous house guests who have been on other seasons. And a good starting place there for this last season would be Mike Boogie's episode or Dan Geesling's episode. And even I would listen to the exit interview with Johnny Mack. His game was on point in a way that I didn't even comprehend watching him in the show. It was fascinating. So, okay, Megan. (laughs) I'm done now. (laughs) This is way more complicated than I thought it was. It's so funny because when this season of Big Brother started, I had a number of people, not just one or two, but a number of people either text or message me and be like, hey, are you watching Big Brother? And I'm like... I have never watched Big Brother in my life. So I don't know if this one maybe just had a lot of buildup or I don't know. But it was so funny because it just seemed like out of the blue, people were asking me if I was watching. And I'm sorry to disappoint. No, I did not watch. But it does sound really, really complicated. I did not give it enough credit for what was going on with Big Brother. But I can see how it could be a little addicting once you get into it. Well, and Megan, it's on three nights a week. Did I say that? What? you did not tell me that. (laughs) Three nights a week in the summer. So while all the other shows for the summer are Uh, on hiatus and it is like a dead zone on TV, Big Brother swoops in to save the day three nights a week. CBS knows what it's doing with that. No, that that stresses me out even more. That's like a huge time commitment to... to watch. Okay, well, thank you for making your case for Big Brother. I love it. That is so interesting. And it's like I said, it's way more complex than I thought it was. I thought we would take some time today because Rebecca does love to talk reality TV to just talk in general about reality TV. Rebecca and I are going to tell our stories of how we got into this genre of television. And I have to tell you, I feel like 
definitely one of the old ladies on the block when it comes to the first show that I started watching. So my first reality TV was sort of the grandfather of all reality TV, and that would be MTV's The Real World. So it came out in 1992 when I was 15 years old. So you can imagine that I was the prime demographic for MTV's new social experiment with The Real World with six people picked to live in a loft to see what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. So I, <laughs> I started watching The Real World from the very beginning from cast number one, and I was hooked. I mean, as I was listening to you talk, Rebecca, I was thinking actually a lot of those same dynamics, I mean, they weren't necessarily as formal, like, like on the real world, they wouldn't have talked about having alliances and nobody was getting kicked out. Um, but that idea of how friendships form and what that dynamic is like when you do pick people to live together, do they start becoming more real? Do they start to become more of the, their real selves eventually? Do they lose track of the fact that there's cameras in their face all of the time? It was so fascinating. It was the first time really that, um, that TV had been produced in that way. So I was all in from season one. I watched, I can't remember how many seasons, a lot. In fact, shortly after MTV put out The Real World, along came Road Rules, which was sort of, you know, yes. the same concept of living together, except instead of living in a nice apartment somewhere, everybody was crammed into a Winnebago and they were out on the road and they were doing challenges. And so um, I loved Road Rules. And then when they did the mashup of Real World Road Rules Challenges, I loved those two. And I can remember as both a teen and when I was in college, being at my parents' house, if I was there on the weekends, when MTV would put on a marathon, I would yes. be like, I'm doing nothing else today. I would just sit and watch episode after episode after episode. Of course, this was long before you could binge watch anything. That was the closest we had to binge watching back in those days was when a channel showed a marathon of something. So I can remember vividly rainy Saturdays in my parents' house watching a real world marathon and just loving it and having such big, strong feelings about the different cast members and of course, lots of my friends were watching it too. So we would talk and talk about who's good and who is evil and all of those types of things. So that was my very first reality TV experience. And I mean, I really did love it. Long time ago, way back in the old days. <laughs> Probably the next one that I really got into was when reality TV took a different turn. And instead of just watching people live their lives, we got into reality competitions, which throughout the 90s and then into the early 2000s, there was kind of starting to go that direction as different networks developed different reality-based things, whether it was, you know, like even TLC's trading spaces was kind of a competition base. I mean, the stakes weren't as high as like performing in front of, you know, all of America for them to vote on you. But you, you were giving up control of one room of your house and having to put in the work on somebody else's house. So I did, I enjoyed trading spaces. After a while, I was like, this is maybe not real. Are they really making all of these design choices? Are they really doing all of this work without any help? Just the two of them? I don't know. That was when I kind of started to figure out that there's a lot of production things that go on behind the scenes that we don't always get to see. But the first reality competition I got into, like millions of other Americans, was American Idol. 
which was so fun, came out in the um, early 2000s. And I have such a strong um, affection for that show. I haven't watched it in, in quite a while. But the very first season that American Idol was on, the winner was, of course, Kelly Clarkson. And I happened to be teaching at Burleson High School in Burleson, Texas, south of Fort Worth, her alma mater, when her season was on. So even though she had graduated and gone on and was a couple of years out from high school, I never met her. Of course, there were lots of people there in Burleson who were absolutely going crazy with Kelly Clarkson fever when her when her season was on. So, And I can remember when the um, finals came on, everybody got together at the high school and were watching the results live and there were TV crews there filming. It was so fun. There was so much great positive energy. So um, that, of course, has a personal connection for me. Megan, listening to you talk about being at that high school for that season with Kelly, I literally got goosebumps like all over my body. Yeah, because that really was like a cultural phenomenon when that show hit the airwaves and everybody was glued to the television. So to be in the hometown of the person who won the show, that must have been just an incredible experience. It totally was. It was so thrilling, so fun. One of my fondest memories of when we lived in Fort Worth. It was amazing. Probably the last uh, reality series that I really got into that I was a passionate fan of was Project Runway. Did you ever watch that one? Okay, well, now this is where I need to confess something. Okay. I grew up in a home that did not have cable. I lived in the country and cable wasn't even an option. Okay. On like our mile. (laughs) I would say our block, but it's like our mile. Right, right. Um, And so when you're talking about real world, I didn't watch any real world until I went to college. And then even then it was a bit sporadic. I loved it. It was totally my thing, but (laughs) I didn't have MTV. And so now when you're talking about Project One, even now today, my husband and I, we have very basic cable, which means we have all the regular broadcast channels like Fox and CBS and NBC, but we don't have TLC. We don't have MTV or VH1. Right. So I'm a little bit in a bubble. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny because that's how I feel now. Since we don't have cable now, I'm always like, wait, what are you talking about? But Project Runway came out in 2004 and I was so hooked from the beginning. Project Runway, if you're not familiar, is the fashion and design challenge that was sort of created and, and The main showrunner was Heidi Klum, former and probably still current gorgeous, amazing model, Heidi Klum. She partnered with Tim Gunn, who was sort of the mentor for these contestants who came on the show. I love Tim Gunn so much. He (laughs) is my spirit animal. (laughs) (laughs) I adore him. Everything that he says is so, he's so eloquent and so well-spoken. And the few times that you do get to see his sense of humor shining through, it's just, he's just so refined and so smart. And he has an incredible eye for fashion. So I've incorporated a lot of his (laughs) sayings and um, sort of approaches to things into life. Um, I don't know, loved him again. And so the contestants would create these challenges every week, kind of the similar and, you know, typical reality TV competition style. There's challenges. Somebody leaves the show every week. In this show, there's a panel of judges. Tim Gunn was not one of the judges, but Heidi Klum was joined by Michael Kors and Nina Garcia. And they would look at all the designs and vote somebody out. 
The first three seasons of Project Runway, I think, were amazing. In fact, I own Project Runway season two on DVD the whole season. Sometimes I'll still get it out and watch it just because it is incredible. It's, an, it's amazing fashion. The personalities were so big and so interesting. I loved those first few seasons. Well, then we, this has been several years ago, but we cut the cable cord as we do. We have these on and again and off again relationships with cable. But so I kind of lost track with Project One Way. It had started on Bravo, but then it got, uh, I don't know, let go of by Bravo and Lifetime picked it up. So I started watching it again around season six when Lifetime had picked it up. And honestly, I just feel like it has never really been the same since Lifetime took over production, I felt like the main thing that bothered me deeply, Rebecca, about after Lifetime took over was I feel like the judging was really, really produced. Like I felt like the judges were influenced and um, sort of made to let go of contestants and keep contestants based on their, how much drama they would cause instead okay. of their talent. I feel like in the early seasons, well, again, the early seasons had a lot of really big personalities, so there was a lot of drama anyway, but I feel like as the seasons went on, it became less and less about your pure talent and your ability to create amazing clothes and more and more about what kind of TV you would create because you're a dramatic person. So I haven't watched it in several years because I just got so disillusioned by the judging. I felt like it wasn't about creating beautiful clothes anymore, so I know that I'm you know, queen of the idealist that I would have ever thought it was really about creating beautiful clothes. <laughs> but once it became so transparent and so obvious, even to me, I kind of have not really been that much into it. I still adore Tim Gunn though, but... I love you even more now that I know that about you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's my story. I, I would say I don't really watch reality TV much anymore. I do like to watch Chopped and Top Chef. I love cooking shows that are sort of like reality based like that. But in terms of really being into like The Bachelor, Bachelorette, those, they're just, I don't know, I just can't figure out how to make them work in my schedule anymore. So I've kind of fallen off the reality TV wagon. But I would love to hear, especially knowing that you grew up in a house without cable, I would love to hear how it is that you came into being such a fan of this genre. Well, when I started to think about what was the first reality t TV show that I ever watched, I went way back. And I think Star Search was probably <laughs> the winner. You remember Star Search? Do you remember it? Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That show is so old. It's so old. I can't believe that you're old enough to remember it. <laughs> I, like, barely remember, to be honest. I think because, um, like, America didn't vote. They had, like, a panel of judges, right? right? Yes. And so, like, they would have all the diff these different categories. I think they had, like, a group category and, like, a solo category. And I think there, were, there was even comedians on the show. And they would do their little, their little gig. And then the judges would pick the winner every week. Mm -hmm. And then the winner of that week would go against the winner from Earth the next week. And, you know, you kept advancing as you kept going on. And I did a little research and Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera, Alanis Morissette, Rosie really? O'Donnell, Britney Spears, they all were on Star Search. I did not realize that. Now, I knew that like Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears and some of those were on... Mickey Mouse Clubhouse later, 
but I did not realize that they had gotten started there. How fun. We'll have to dig up some clips and maybe pop them into the newsletter to show some of those early star search celebrities. So that was the very first thing that I remember from that genre. But the first thing that I really got hooked on, I think probably was American Idol. And I was dedicated. I mean, my family and I watched together. It was a big deal. But I think it was season five, 2006, I fell out of love with American Idol when Chris Daughtry got fourth place. And Uh. I thought for sure that that man was going to win. And I was so mad. It left a bad taste in my mouth. And I watched kind of casually after that, but it just took a couple years and then I let it go. That really was the turning point for me when he did not win the show. That was the year that Taylor Hicks won the show. Explain that to me, please. I mean, sometimes there's no explaining, I'm telling you. These things can turn out so crazy. But yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, that's kind of how I felt about Project Runway. Once you kind of get a bad taste, it's really, yeah, it's easy to kind of just walk away and be done with it. So I get it. Right. So then after that, um, So You Think You Can Dance, I was a big oh, fan of yes. that show. I forgot about that, I show. that show. I love it too. So but, fun. Okay. I also have stopped watching. And the reason why is absolutely horrible. You have to watch every moment. Like there's no audio that you can like look away and like multitask. And when I started having kids and I would get so distracted, like nursing my baby or whatnot, and I would look down, I'm like, you're missing half the show. If you have to look down, you have to watch the dancing. That's a good point. You know, I kind of have stopped watching it too, not because I was tired of it, but yeah, I never really connected the dots, but I think you're right. You have to kind of give your full attention to the show, which I don't have a lot of to give. (laughs) Yeah. I just can't got to a space where I was having a hard time not multitasking while doing television, watching, and it just, yeah, I kind of let go of it. Um, But a big favorite of mine always and forever will be the Bachelor franchise. I watched it with my girlfriends in college, watch it occasionally with my husband now. He's not as into it as he once was, but we used to like sit down and watch it together and Do you remember the show um, Average Joe? Yes. It was like The Bachelor, but like half the contestants, it was, there was always a female was the lead. And then half the contestants were like bachelorette worthy males. And then the other half were kind of just like, eh, Average Joe types of guys. that, yeah. And then the winner was always between, is she going to choose like the handsome guy or is she going to choose the Average Joe? What's true love going to pick? Yes, yes, yes. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, you I still watch, watch do you watch every season then of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, like regardless of who the the main people are, do you just watch them all? Yes, ma'am. I watch that. I watch Bachelor in Paradise and I listen to podcasts about them. I listen to two podcasts about the shows. That's amazing. <laughs> Do you, do you read any like recaps? Like my sister loves The Bachelor too, and she reads a blog. I think it's called I Hate Green Beans. Is that right? I've never heard of it. Okay. Anyway, do you read like blog commentary or recaps or anything like that? I mean, I know the podcasts that are out now are a great way to hear commentary on it, but I'm always interested in, because for many years I read at Television Without Pity, 
which had fantastic recaps of all kinds of shows, both reality TV and scripted. Um, so I always think it's so interesting to hear what people look to for sort of their commentary on the shows they're into. Did you read anything or do you mostly just stay with the podcast now? I'm 100% podcast okay. at this point. Gotcha. Gotcha. We asked in the Facebook group what you all are into, what you're watching, and what you can remember being your first reality TV. And I have to say, I forgot about this show, kind of, because I never really was into it. But a huge number of people, their very first reality TV was Survivor. Mm, yes. Which I remember that coming out either, I was either late in college or a newlywed because I can remember people getting together um, in uh, people's apartments or houses to watch all together and it being like a really big, like, get together, hang out and watch together kind of show. I never really got into it. I've never seen a single season. I don't know, even know if I've even seen a single episode of Survivor, but a lot of people listed that as one of their very first reality TV shows. Um, one of the ones that comes up time and again that people people watch currently are the Real Housewives series, which, as you know, Laura Tremaine, our other uh, co-host, loves. She has her seasons of those that she watches. Um, let's see what else. Oh, John and Kate plus eight. Did you ever oh, watch yes. that? Well, again, see, I didn't have cable. So I knew yeah. of these shows, but it would only be things that I would catch maybe like on vacation in a hotel room or something. Yes. I watched John and Kate plus eight. Um when it was on and found it to be completely fascinating. The whole dynamic, all those kids, the marriage, the parenting, all of it. I was very sad when um, things sort of fell apart for their family, but I did find the whole, just that, just the, again, that idea of having people, cameras and producers in your home all of the time filming you. I don't know. It's so fascinating why somebody would sign themselves up to do it. Oh, what about America's Next Top Model? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I loved that one. Watched Me many too. seasons of that. Me too. Lots of people in the group mentioned America's Next Top Model. I have another one. That, that's one that I have affection for. I can remember when AJ was born, uh, Dicey was almost three. And um, when Eliza was a newborn, I would get up with her at night to nurse her. And I would go in the living room and we would kind of snuggle in to our love seat. And I can remember, I don't even know what channel it was, but they would show like the syndicated reruns of old seasons of that. So I can just remember lots of middle of the night nursing sessions with AJ and watching America's Next Top Model. <laughs> it kept me up while I was nursing her because I was actually interested in actually watching. So I love that one. I had forgotten about that. Um, let's see any others that we haven't mentioned. I'm looking through the group. Um, lots of people are old like me and remember watching the real world when it first came on. So we would love to hear some of your favorites, uh, both from the past and current favorites that you're watching. So please do find us on Twitter or on Instagram or in Facebook to talk about reality TV favorites. Okay, Rebecca. If you could be a contestant on any reality TV show, past or present, what would you pick, do you think? Well, if being a contestant meant that I adopted the skills needed for that show, yes, yes. then I would that. like to be on like The Voice or So You Think You oh, Can Dance yeah. or American Ninja Warrior because that would mean I was like super insanely fit, although I like don't <laughs> exercise at all. 
but <laughs> if I'm using the skills that like I already have, <laughs> I probably would be a better fit for Big Brother. Or although I think I would do terrible, I would cry too much. Um, and if I was single, which I'm not, but if I was single, I would totally have a showmance. I am a hopeless romantic, and I yes. would not be able to focus on the game. Um, Amazing Race, I think, would be oh, maybe yes. a better fit for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe um, a Real Housewives edition of like Amish country, Pennsylvania. <laughs> the Real Housewives of Amish country. Let's phone a producer because I think we've got we've got their next series. <laughs> on hand here that would be amazing you know it's funny that you said amazing race i forgot about that one too i loved that i've watched many seasons of that in the past in fact for this question since we had talked about talking about this on the show i was going to say again if i could adopt this skill set i would totally want to be on project runway number one to meet tim gunn but number two just i love the idea of having your creativity challenge like that um, every week, but, but I forgot about Amazing Race. So I am going to go with that, that I would love to be on that. I mean, it looks completely stressful, but also amazing to go around the whole world and get to have all of those experiences. I would love it. So um, here's an interesting question, though, since we we're talking about reality TV and you and I in the past have done an entire episode about YouTube. Let's talk a little bit about the connection between reality TV, both its past and present, and the current phenomenon of vlogging superstars, people who have started their own vlogs, either as um, young people or families, and they have millions of subscribers who are watching their lives play out in real time on video on YouTube. What are, what are some of the similarities and what are some of the differences that you see there? Well, first of all, I think that, that the whole inspiration and the whole obsession over reality TV in this like story-based format rather than the competitive um, shows, I think that all stems from the fact that reality TV has really lessened the gap between celebrities and regular people. Great point, yes. So celebrities, when they're you're invited into their home on a regular basis, kind of like the Osbournes or the newlyweds with... Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson, you're seeing that they look more like normal people and you're relating to them beyond the fact that they are a celebrity. And then when you take regular folks who maybe have something unique about their life circumstances, like John and Kate plus eight, um, the Duggars, Octomom, did she ever get a reality show? Girl, I don't know. I don't know either. But <laughs> Suddenly, they are now more like celebrities, or even like American Idol and like Kelly Clarkson. You know, she was just a regular girl, and now she's this big celebrity. So the gap there has has lessened. So I think that's part of the reason why we are so just fascinated as a culture is because real life people are becoming more normal, and normal people we can see ourselves in their position be like, oh, well, can you imagine if I had a reality show? And how many, I mean, raise your hand if you have ever had a conversation with yourself or with somebody else where you're like, oh, so-and-so could totally have a reality TV show. <laughs> right, yes. I mean, everybody's probably said it at some point, right? Right. So I think in terms of when you're looking at vloggers and like daily vloggers on YouTube and such, they're just kind of taking the horse by the reins and saying, well, goodness, I can't do that. I'm going to do that. And then people are watching because they want either A, something to look at where they can connect with somebody in a way that where they're like, 
I have a similarity with you. I understand mm-hmm. you and you're, I'm not so alone because here we are, we're both responding in the same way or B, they're looking at the freak show and being like, you are so fascinating. Your life is so foreign to me. I can't believe that this is your reality. So I, I think that's really the big draw. That is such a great point that you said that way better than I could have, Rebecca, seriously, because I have just been so puzzled by the vlogging phenomenon and why, you know, the commitment that a lot of these, especially the big time vloggers have to recording their entire lives. And I, I know I've talked about the Shaytards on here quite a bit because that is the one that my girls watch the most. I, I feel like vicariously because it's on in our house so much. I feel like I know them as a family and I don't even like them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they're fine. They're great. I'm sure they're a wonderful family. I am just so, I'm both puzzled and fascinated and maybe even a little bit concerned by how much of their family, their the inner workings of their family that they are putting out there for people to consume on a daily basis. I mean, they're putting up new, you know, they put up new videos every day of them traveling and this and that. And I don't know. I just... I wonder, I guess it was only a matter of time, really, like you said, once once reality TV showed us, oh my goodness, people really are interested in seeing how other people live. I suppose it only was a matter of time before people just kind of started DIYing it and doing their own. And hey, good for the Shaytards. They have found a way to capitalize on that curiosity that we all have about other people and have created a whole show around their day-to-day family life. Well, and you bring up a good point, though, too, something to think about is that when you are daily vlogging your life, the camera crew never leaves. Right. Yes. So you always have that camera in your purse, on the counter, ready to pick it up at any moment. There's never really any official downtime, especially if you're doing it, putting out a video either seven days a week or five days a week, where with John and Kate plus eight, that was like a weekly show and it came on in seasons. And so there certainly was downtime. Right. So the, the privacy barrier has been pulled back even more when you're talking about daily vlogging. Now I watch a lot of YouTube as we talked about in the YouTube episode, but I don't really get into daily vloggers that much. Now, just recently there's been a big scandal with some daily vloggers called Sam and Nia who are some Christian vloggers who have gotten into a lot of hot water. They are most known for her pregnancy announcement where he announced that she was pregnant to her by taking a dropper of urine from the toilet. Yes. And then soon after that, they announced that they had a miscarriage. And that has just opened up the floodgates of speculation. And it was like watching a train wreck happen. I just couldn't look away. So I subscribed to their channel partially because I wanted to see – Again, I am fascinated by the whole culture of YouTube and all of the inner workings that go into how does this affect you as a person and like your family. So I wanted to see how they handled the situation, which spoiler alert, it hasn't been that great. Um, (laughs) But in watching their videos, then they are the only daily vloggers that I have ever really watched. And there were times when their daughter who... I want to say that she's maybe five. She might be six, somewhere around that age. She would tell her her dad, hey, daddy, you might want to come tape this. Mm. Or she would look at the camera and address the viewers like directly. And that just really is such a bizarre way to grow up. 
isn't right. it? Yes, I think so. And so I'm so. not totally yeah. passing judgment because, my goodness, there are people who have been living their lives in the spotlight, celebrities and whatnot, for years and years and years. But we are the first generation that has this type of access to social media and to the internet and to exposing our kids to it. And we don't really, we don't know what we're doing wrong yet to some extent. You know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly what you mean. And I've given it a lot of thought, of course, through the years as a blogger, because, you know, my children's pictures, pictures of themselves have been on the internet since they were little. I mean, I started sort of crunchy when Daisy was a year old. And then, uh, you know, Eliza has been on the blog since she was born. The twins were on the blog since they were, since I was pregnant with them. And so it's an interesting thing. I'm sure that people could look at you and I as bloggers and be like, well, is it different from what you have done with putting your children's pictures on the internet and stories about them? Um, maybe it just feels more normal to us because that's what we do. Maybe to um, people like Sam and Nia or the Shaytards or a variety of different uh, family style uh, vloggers on YouTube right now. Maybe it just seems normal. I don't know. It's it does. I'm like you. It seems very foreign to me. But I don't know. There's they have tons of fans who are waiting every day for new episodes to come out. So it's an interesting discussion for sure. One thing that speaking of interesting discussions, as we were talking about putting this show together, we the co-hosts in our Voxer group, we had an interesting discussion about reality TV in general because. We are on a total spectrum when you look at the four of us in terms of our involvement with reality TV. On the one end of the spectrum, we have Laura, who, when she was working in television production, worked on several reality TV shows. She was the producer behind the scenes, making things happen. And then we have Kelly on the other end of the spectrum, who has never watched reality TV. Oh, bless her heart. We're just like, what do you mean you've never watched any reality TV? And she's just like, that's, it's just never, I've never watched it. And then you have you and I sort of more in the middle that we have our shows that we loved. But um, yeah, so we were talking about when exactly are people watching TV? And it's just such an interesting conversation because I really do not watch shows in real time anymore. I just cannot figure out how to make that work. The only time I watch TV is downtime in the evenings with Kyle. That is our sort of chill out, relax, recover from the daytime at the end of the day. And also, since we don't have uh, cable right now, we're reliant on Hulu and uh, Netflix and other uh, platforms like that for our television viewing. So that makes it um, challenging sometimes to keep up with shows in real time. Rebecca, you were telling me that for you, it's not necessarily nighttime viewing. It's more your middle of the day kind of break from your real reality when you're watching TV. And I would say that that goes in phases for me. Um, lately, I have been watching a lot of TV while Noah is napping. And purely because it is an unwinding time for me. And I have found that it, I am so much a better mom when I have a significant break for myself in the middle of the day. So nap time really is a sacred time for me. Grace is in afternoon kindergarten. So it truly is a time where it's just me here at home. And I will either work on my blog or I will watch YouTube videos or watch something on Netflix. Um, I really try to just zone out as yes. much as I can yeah. during that time. But I also watch TV at night too after the kids go to bed. It it really goes in 
it just really varies a lot for me because I found that in 2014, that was such a busy year for me as a blogger. I was writing an ebook. Um, my blog traffic was growing at a rate that just really was surprising to me. And so I felt a lot of pressure there to keep up with the content that I was trying to create and connect with all those new readers. And then also on top of that, I was doing some Pinterest consulting on the side. And every moment when I sat down, and I'm like, okay, this is a kid-free moment, it became an online work moment. Right. And some of that is was fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And I loved creating some of those things that I did in 2014. But I have felt like 2015 has been like a revolt against that. Right. Of taking a deep breath and being like, you know what? I'm going to binge something and I'm not going to work on my blog. Take that. <laughs> <laughs> You're rebelling against your busy year. Right. And so I have really been resting and I have been using TV to rest. Now, I I, I have a bit of an obsessive personality. So I struggle with um, when I am reading a good book, I have a hard time literally doing anything else. So if I'm reading, I'm not doing very much blog work. I am not watching anything on TV. And I am finding the same thing happening to me now with binging, which is a new concept to me. We're new to like the Netflix world. So um, I'm still binging on Net- on Gossip Girl and absolutely loving it. But as a result, of course, I'm not reading any books. <laughs> and um, nap time is usually one or two episodes of Gossip Girl instead right. of my blog work. So my blog work is suffering right now. <laughs> Um, so I'll need to take a break and take a step back when Gossip Girl is finally finished Yes, because I just obsess and I just can't stop. Right, right. Well, we would love to hear from you. It was such an interesting conversation amongst the co-hosts. We all have our different perspectives on when we're watching TV. Kelly has to solo parent a lot because of her husband's travels, which she's talked about a lot on the show. Um, So her TV viewing is very minimal. Uh, Laura talked about, too, she and her husband kind of use TV for unwind time. But Laura travels herself a lot. So I think it's sometimes challenging for her to keep up with shows. Um, But either by binging or watching in real time. So it's just super fascinating. We would love to hear more from you all about, are you currently making time in your day-to-day life to sit down with a favorite show? You know, you can always find us in the Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter. You can find me at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find me on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. And don't forget that the show has its own Instagram account, Sorta Awesome Show. Rebecca, where can we find you to follow up on all of these discussions about reality TV and everything else we've covered today? Well, I blog at simplyrebecca.com, and then you can find me at simplyrebecca on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Periscope. That's right. That's right. A whole new venue of voyeurism that we have not even really <laughs> touched on today. But yes, please do find Rebecca over there. Maybe y'all could have a follow-up conversation on all of this stuff on Periscope. That would um, be a lot of fun. Keep an eye on Rebecca's Twitter for that if she does do that. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today on Sorta Awesome. Show notes for this and every episode are available at sortaawesomemegan.tumblr.com. You can also sign up for the show's newsletter, which includes extra tidbits of awesome by going to tinyletter.com slash sorta awesome. If you're enjoying the show, it would be really incredibly awesome if you would subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I have to give a shout out to the band Prager for allowing us to use the song Strut for our in and out music. To find out more about Prager's nasty beats and pretty chords, go to progermusic.com. 
and I'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.